In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the Holy 50 Days after the Feast of the Resurrection, and we read again, as we did during the Great Fast, the story of the Samaritan woman. And the purpose for reading the story again that we read before is to recount and remember the things that the Lord Jesus Christ said while he was still alive that maybe at the time we didn't recognize or know the significance of it or the people at the time the apostles and the people did not understand the significance of everything that was happening but now in the light of the resurrection we read the same story again and we remember it and we see different elements in it we read about this woman who she came to draw water and we know about her that she was a sinful woman that she was living out of wedlock that she had had five husbands and the Lord Jesus Christ when he saw her she was coming to draw water uh, from the well at the hottest time of the day the, the time where maybe no one else would go out to draw because she did not want to interact with anyone because she was not well accepted among the people and she was living in sin and so you can say that what she was doing was trying to escape her situation she had a difficult situation in her life she had this sin of fornication of adultery of lust that she was living in sin and yet instead of trying to deal with it directly she was trying to manage it she was trying to find a way to live with it in a way that would minimize the amount of pain that she would feel and experience and the amount of maybe rejection that she would feel from the people instead of really trying to deal with the problem she tried to find a way to manage to deal with it and so it was a kind of escape and sometimes we do this whenever we um, have a difficult situation um, uh, or a sin that we are struggling with instead of really facing the sin head-on we might try to find ways to manage it or to escape from the guilt that we might experience by realizing or acknowledging that we have the sin so I want to speak about the idea of escape and how we use this idea of escape in our life um, whether for good reasons or for bad reasons so this week God willing we're going to speak about the immoral escape the escape that we, we escape from God the escape from righteousness the escape from repentance and next week we'll speak about the righteous escape which is the kind of escape actually we are called for when we are fleeing from sin so the first w immoral escape the first type of escape that maybe we we flee from um, because we do not want to acknowledge our sin is the escape from God we see this in the story of Adam and Eve when after they had fallen into sin by eating of the forbidden fruit and they heard the sound of God walking in the garden their first instinct and reaction was instead of going out to meet with God to to embrace him to communicate with him as they, as they had always done in the past now having fallen into sin their initial and first reaction was to hide they hid themselves from God believing that they could actually be hidden believing that God could not find them feeling the sense that if I hide myself then I'm hiding and escaping from the shame of the decisions that we have made and the wrong things that we have done and this is what sin does is when we fall into sin when we do not feel that the door is open for repentance and that God would accept us again maybe what we do is we try to escape we find some way to escape from God we escape from the church we escape from prayer we escape from fasting we escape from listening to sermons we escape from reading the Bible we escape from all the things that represent God because we feel that we are unable or unworthy or unwilling to be in his presence and so we escape and so they escape because of the sin that they had another example of someone who escaped from God was Jonah the prophet after God called him to preach to the Ninevites instead of going in that direction he went in the completely opposite direction trying to escape from 
the mission that God had called him for. And again, the reason for this escape wasn't because of a personal sin necessarily in Jonah's life, but it was because of a lack of love that he had. He did not love the Ninevites. He did not want to share the message of salvation with them. He did not want them to return. He did not want them to be believers. He did not want anything but their destruction, which is why when God sent him on this mission, he found it abhorrent to him. How is it that I am going to be the reason why these enemies of Israel are going to be saved? And so he again escaped. In this case, his escape was because he didn't have love in his heart for those people. He didn't have forgiveness for them. He had judgment. All he saw in them was their sin and their wickedness, and he did not believe that they were worthy of forgiveness, and he certainly did not want to be the instrument by which God would forgive them, and so again he escaped from God. We can also see the idea of escaping from God in those people who have been uh, exposed to the truth of Christianity, exposed to the the you know, the, the amazing prophecies that have been fulfilled or all of the evidence and the proofs that we see that Christianity is true or the proofs of the resurrection or many of the things that we speak about in our faith that support our faith and that kind of cause us to be more and more confirmed in the belief and the knowledge that what we believe is true. And yet when this maybe is presented to some people who are unbelievers, we find them trying to flee from the truth. And maybe they are fleeing from this truth, not because the evidence that is supported, the, the evidence that is provided is not support the faith, but maybe because they do not want it to be true. You know, sometimes some people do not want something to be true. We see this in the Pharisees, for instance. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he preached and he confronted the Pharisees, he was so compelling that there was often nothing at all that they could even say to him, and yet they hated him. And they did not want him, they did not want him to be the son of God. They did not want it to be true. They did not want to accept what would happen if he truly was who he said he was. And so they fled from the truth. They escaped from the truth. Instead of saying, well, if this is the will of God, then escaping from this is futile. And there is nothing that we can do to escape. We have to accept the will of God and what it is that he brings and be thankful and joyful for this coming of the Messiah. Instead, they found a way to destroy him, to kill him, because they rejected his message completely. And we read about these types of people in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Those who choose blindness, those who whenever the evidence is presented clearly in front of them, find a reason not to accept it because they reject it, because they do not want it to be true. These are the people who remain darkened. Whereas even though maybe we are living in darkness and yet we want to find the light and when the light is presented to us, we run to it instead of running away from it. Those are all of the people who in that state when the Lord Jesus Christ came on earth and they accepted him. They were originally in darkness, but when the light came, they accepted the light and they changed their own lives in order to conform to the light that they saw instead of escaping from God. So this is the first type of immoral escape or unrighteous escape, the escape from God. The second type of immoral escape is the escape from responsibility. Back to Adam and Eve, after they had fallen into sin and they were accused by God of the sin that they committed, they began blaming one another. The first reaction that each of them had was to blame someone else. The man blamed the woman, and the woman blamed, blamed the serpent, and everyone, instead of taking responsibility for their own actions, they blamed another person. 
in the parable of the talents, whenever the master of the house returned and he went and confronted the servant who had only the one talent that had buried it in the ground, instead of that servant taking responsibility for his failure of not even trying to uh, make any increase with the talent that he had received, he began to place blame. He actually blamed the master himself and said about him that he was a cruel and harsh man and he was unjust and he made all kinds of excuses trying to excuse himself from the responsibility. So sometimes whenever we uh, have some kind of a responsibility that we do not want to fulfill, that we feel maybe is too burdensome for us, that we do not want to do, we find maybe excuses and reasons to try to escape from it. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, it says what, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Sometimes we, uh, we, we kind of uh, categorize things in a certain way where we feel like our responsibility to God is important, but when it comes to our responsibility to other people that God has placed on our, in our lives, maybe it is less so. Maybe, maybe for me, it is more difficult to serve the people that are in my life. And so I find an escape actually by saying I'm going to go and I have many responsibilities and other things that I have to do or other spiritual activities that I have to do. And so I'm going to neglect the responsibilities of my immediate family that they need me for. And this is, this is wrong. Actually, the Lord Jesus Christ rebuked the people who, who said what, that whatever money that they were going to uh, give to their parents and support, they were going to instead give it to the temple. And this was the excuse that they made not to serve their, 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 their parents or their elders and the people that um, deserved their support. Instead, they were going to take that money and give it to the temple. And the Lord Jesus Christ rejected this. He said, no, this is wrong. Right? This, is this is not the purpose of the commandment. The commandment is not saying take what you are going to give to support another person and instead give it to God. Actually, it says that when you give it to others, you are giving it to God. Right? So, so we have a responsibility. We have many responsibilities in our life. Of course, we have a responsibility to God. We have a responsibility in our spiritual life. We, has, we have a responsibility when it comes to all of the spiritual things that we do. But we also have responsibilities to others. Right? And so some people, they try to escape this responsibility. We have to look at ourselves and ask God, what really are my responsibilities? Who are the people that God has placed in my life and their situations and he has called me to serve them in? And how is it that I should serve? What is it that I should do? Not escaping from this, but being responsible with it. A third type of immoral escape is escaping self-examination. Sometimes we do not want to have a moment of silence. And we do not want this moment of silence because in that moment of silence, where we are not busy with any devices, where we're not busy with any other people, the only thing there is is my own thoughts. And the only thing there is is looking at myself, my actions, and thinking about myself. And maybe we don't like what we find, and this is something we try to escape from. One reason actually people go a lot to all kinds of distractions is because they do not want to sit with themselves. They don't, they don't want to really examine themselves and think about what are all the things that they are doing, how is it they are treating other people, how, what kind of life they are living, and, and they are filled with kind of maybe a disturbed spirit that they want to escape. They don't want to deal with the spirit. They don't want to deal with it and say, well, what is it that I have to do in order to really conquer and overcome this feeling of dis you know, disturbing feeling that I have in myself? And to go to God with this feeling and to ask him for forgiveness and to ask him to transform me and to change me. Instead, maybe we find ourselves running and running and running. An example of this is King Saul. King Saul, actually, he was 
disobedient and stubborn and rebellious and he had hate in his heart and he had jealousy and he had all kinds of problems and the the scripture says that he had this disturbing spirit that was disturbing him but his solution to whenever this disturbing spirit would come is that he would ask King David to play music for him. It says in 1 Samuel 16, David would take a harp and play it with his hand, then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. This is, while at the moment, at the time, seems like something that works, that he's, when he listens to this calm music that King David is playing, that he, he feels momentarily satisfied, and he feels like this disturbing spirit has left him, and that it solved the problem. But it is not really solving the problem. It is a very, very temporary solution, and it is not actually solving the problem. A lot of times in our society, we are told to do certain things to relax. You know, you have anxiety, you should do certain things to relax. You should perform certain techniques, you should li listen to certain music, you should do certain things. But we ask the question, are these things really long-term solutions for the problem? What is the real foundation of the problems that we have of why we are distressed why are we anxious why 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 is it that we are not at ease or in comfort with ourselves why do we not have peace is it because we don't listen to enough music is it because these techniques that we do are not enough and we need to do more maybe there is something deeper that we have to examine in ourselves that maybe we are escaping from that we don't want to deal with because maybe it would require me making sacrifices that i do not want to make Another example we see actually is of King David. After he fell into sin with Bathsheba, King David did not stop for a moment to consider what he had done. He, he committed adultery with this woman and he killed her husband. He did not stop to consider what he had done. He did not have a moment of reflection where he just sat with himself and said, what is it that I have done? How is it that I, as the king, who was ordained by God, who was a servant of God, who loves the Lord, how is it that I could have done these things and then come to repentance? He did not have this. And actually, what, what happened was, is when Nathan the prophet came and God sent him to rebuke David, this is, and only at this point, did David fully realize the magnitude of the sin he had committed, and he f offered a full repentance. But he was escaping. He, he, he did not have that moment of clarity and self-reflection uh, in order to look at himself and to examine himself and to come to repentance. So sometimes we want to escape this examination. We do not really want to look inside because we're afraid of what we are going to find. But one thing that is beautiful about our faith is that we should not be afraid of what we find because no matter how wicked it is, whatever we find inside, God is willing to deal with it. God is willing to work with it. God is willing to transform it. God is willing to forgive. No matter what we find, we maybe escape because we don't want to accept or acknowledge in ourselves the sins that we commit or what, are the, what does that mean about who I am. But the Lord Jesus Christ already knows because in the end, you cannot escape from God. God already knows who we are. He is waiting for us to know who we are. He's waiting for us to make the realization, to know what, who is it that we are, just as he already knows, so that he can begin to work with us and we could come to repentance. So we should not be afraid to, to look inside and be honest with ourselves, because we only hurt ourselves by fleeing and running away. Another way that we escape in an in a, in a unrighteous or immoral way is when we try to escape from reality. We don't want to deal with the world as it is, we want to imagine and pretend that the world is according to our own creation. 
We don't want to accept the truth about who I am. We don't want to accept the truth of what I have done or what I have accomplished or what I have not accomplished. We try to find um, security in um, all kinds of things except maybe the truth. We read actually about those who lived at the time of Noah. It says in Matthew 24, For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So as Noah is building the ark, and he is doing this in preparation for this great flood that is about to come to destroy the world, this is the reality. This is the reality. This is what God said is going to happen. So whether Noah liked it or he didn't like it or he wanted to build or he didn't want to build, it didn't really matter what is it that he wanted because he had to face the reality of the world, that this was coming. And the only way to be saved is for him to dedicate so much time to build this ark and enter into it to save himself and his family. Whereas these other people, seeing what Noah is doing, they mocked him. And they did not consider that what he was doing was serious. And instead, they continued to live their life according to their own desires uh, in the way that they always had. Eating and drinking, being merry, marrying, giving in marriage, and so on. As though there was no, there was nothing. There was nothing coming. And so sometimes we find ourselves living in a delusion, living in a fantasy, wanting to believe that something is true that is actually not true at all. And this fake truth, truth this false truth, we, it drives us. It drives us to make certain choices and decisions and to maybe fantasize about certain fantasies that can never be and will never be. And yet we find ourselves paralyzed because we are so focused on these things that can never, never happen. So this is also a kind of escape. God does not want to us to live in imagination. He wants us to live in the real world because this is where God is. God is in the real world. God can deal with the real world. He doesn't have to, he, he, we don't have to fantasize. We can deal with the real world. God can bless us in the real world. God can direct us and guide us and enlighten us and bring us salvation and hope and peace in the real world. We don't have to make a fantasy in order for us to find those things. Because, again, it is just a temporary notion. And the moments where we delude ourselves or convince ourselves of a comforting lie, we feel comfortable and happy, but then that lie quickly crumbles because it has no foundation for us to live it or to be in it. We find in our very modern technological society these days that people escape reality all too often. We find maybe that we escape a, rea a reality through our phones. We escape reality through the diversions that we seek because we don't want to deal with the real world. We find ways to escape. Now, there's certainly uh, a place for rest and diversion, but the question we ask ourselves is, is this is becoming our life because we want to escape the problems of our real life or not? The last type of immoral escape I want to mention is escaping from the truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. If anything, this verse very, very much categorizes the life and the society and the world that we live in today. When people do not want to hear the truth or listen to it or accept that it is true, they, they what, heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth. What does it mean to heap up for themselves teachers? It means they choose people to be their teachers, to be their leaders, to be those who guide them, who are going to tell them exactly what they want to hear. 
whatever it is I want to hear, I will ch be around and choose other people to be in my presence and to be the, my leaders and to those people who are going to tell me exactly what I already think is true or what I want to be true. And this is in a rejection of what enduring sound doctrine. I cannot endure it. When, when, when I hear the, the truth, the truth is intolerable to me. I cannot stand it. It is, it, is, it is something repugnant. It is something disgusting to me. And that I, in my mind, I imagine that the truth actually is a lie. That the truth is actually something harmful. Not something that leads to something good. Not something that leads to salvation. Not something that is actually going to make our lives better. But instead something that makes our lives worse. And so I cannot endure the sound doctrine. So because I cannot endure it, I reject everyone who tells me the truth. I reject everyone who says that something that I do not believe in is actually true. Instead of being flexible, instead of being willing to change my view about something to conform to the truth, I reject it completely. And I also surround myself with people who are going to confirm what I already believe so that I never have to feel challenged in my in my belief about anything and so this is another escape because the Lord Jesus Christ he said I am the way the truth and the life he is the truth and when we escape from the truth we escape from him God made everything to function according to its way in a certain way and if everything is operating according to the truth then everything will be in harmony I will be in harmony with myself I will be in harmony with people I will have joy I will have peace because everything is operating according to the truth of God but when we try to live in this world apart from the truth, it's like you're trying to, 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 to operate something in a way that it was not designed to operate, which is just going to cause it to collapse. And what we are doing now in the world is experiencing the collapse. What we, this is exactly what we are experiencing at such an accelerated speed day to day is the collapse of all of mankind and the society and the man-made things that we have built because that the truth is no longer in it. You know, the truth is no longer in it. So it stops functioning. And so we find ourselves either that we can take a stand and say, no, we have to restore truth. We have to stand for the truth. What is true? We can't just be appealing to what people desire or what people feel or what people want to believe. We have to appeal to what is the absolute objective truth. And if there is truth, then we can restore ourselves. If there is truth, then we can find there is success and accomplishment and peace. But if nobody can agree even on what is true, or people make up their own truths, then we can never do this, and all we are doing is escaping from the truth. So we spoke about uh, five types of escape. The first was escaping from God. The second, escaping from responsibility. The third, escaping from self-examination. The fourth, escaping from reality. And the fifth, escaping from truth. And so, God willing, next week, we are going to continue and speak about the good kind of escape, the kinds of escape that God wants us, the righteous escape that he wants us to flee from sin. And may God grant us always to know when to flee and when not to flee. And glory be to God forever. Amen.